Climate change, poverty, mental health. Young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations, and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where together we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. You know, if you've listened to the show, you know we're all about youth voice. Um, Youth voice is a core value of NYLC. It's one of the standards of quality service learning practice. It really drives everything that we do as an organization because we know if we silence youth voice, we miss out on that creativity, that energy, that passion that we need to solve the issues that our world is facing. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the power of youth voice and how these young leaders um, in an Okehennepin school district here in Minnesota are tackling racial equity through a group called the Different Races Organizing Peace, or for short, DROP. So Different Races Organizing Peace. So you're going to hear us talk about DROP quite a bit today. Um, This group is seeking ways to get their voices heard so that they can advocate for change where it matters most, including in their local school board. Um, in their schools. So I'm just so honored to welcome to the show, Lindsay, Marie Claire and Olivia. Again, thank you guys so much for being here today. Before we talk about your work with DROP, I'd love to learn more about each of you. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about you? Um, Lindsay, why don't we start with you? Yeah, um, of course, Amy. Um, first, it's a pleasure being on this show, first of all. Um, so my name is Lindsay Yang, and I'm a senior at Annapur High School this year. I participate in dual enrollment, so I actually will be graduating with my AA degree this spring from a mm-hmm. local community college. Um, on top of being passionate about racial equity, I'm also very passionate for music. Uh, so next fall, I'll be attending UW-Madison for music education. Um, with this said, I play a lot of instruments like piano, viola, ukulele, and guitar, uh, but I also enjoy playing and watching video games and uh, spending time with my loved ones. Um, overall, though, uh, education makes up a, a big part of my life, and uh, to ensure that I'm receiving the best education, I'm continually addressing racial equity issues in schools, and uh, will make sure to keep sharing my experiences as a minority. That's amazing. Um that you don't, you're getting, you have your two-year college degree right out of high school. Congratulations on that. And for UW-Madison. Um, and wow, with the number of instruments, you're your own band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, Marie-Claire, could you introduce yourself to us? Yes. Hi, Amy. Thank you very much for having us tonight. Um, hi, <laughs> my name is Marie Claire Mutemba and I am a senior at Andover High School. People always ask me if Marie Claire is a first and middle name type of thing. And I always correct them and say, no, it's my full first name. So it's Marie Claire. Um, to start, I participate in a lot of clubs, uh, National Honor Society, um, Student Council, Leo, and our Mata Culture Group, which is Voices and Women's Group. And I am also a class president at Andover High School. A little about me is that I am the middle child of five kids and my siblings are my heart. So I love my family. I'm a very family orientated person. Some things I love to do in my free time is running. It's a stress reliever for me. I have been in cross country, Nordic and track since I was in middle school. So it makes me a very outdoorsy person. I love doing anything from taking walks and hiking or just being outside with my book and my hammock enjoying the nice weather. Some passions of mine are spoken words slash poetry and public speaking. This is something that's still new to me. I'm still sort of a baby in this area, but it is an art that I'm starting to explore and connect with, and I hope to continue to grow. And I will be continuing my education at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities this fall, which I'm very excited for. Well, congratulations on the U of M. That's amazing. I do have a quick question. What is Leo? 
Leo is our volunteering club at ah. Andover High School. Wonderful. So Marie Claire, um, we had a young woman on the show um, from I Matter. Um, so you need to check that out. It's all about spoken word. So okay. she is amazing. And Isabella Hansen is the founder. She's going to be at our National Service Learning Conference. Poetry is like, wow. So totally I love recommend. That. Thank you. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> Olivia, can you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners? Oh, of course. Uh, again, thank you so much, Amy, for having us. Like, this feels unreal. Uh, but hi, my name is Olivia Lean. I am a junior in Andover High School. Um, I absolutely love tennis. I've been playing it for four years. And this year, I finally made varsity. And it, <laughs> it's a sport that I truly enjoy. I've tried a lot of sports throughout my life. I've tried fencing, softball, even cross country. And none of it clicked until tennis. Um, I also love music. I've been playing piano for about five years and I've been in choir for six. I actually recently just went on a Greece trip with some people in my choir and it was absolutely amazing. I love history and it was so cool seeing the stuff that I've read in history books in person, walking through the ruins of Delphi, going to Olympia where the Olympic games started. It was incredibly amazing it was so cool for me a history nerd to see that sounds absolutely amazing and uh, a little aside my daughter is actually going to Greece um, in April or late April early May so <laughs> she connect the two of you and you can tell her where she needs to visit that's there's awesome. so many great places I'm very jealous that's all I'm saying <laughs> Um, wonderful. Thank you guys so much for introducing your yourselves. Um, um, amazing things that you're doing outside of the work of drop. So what I would love to do is like, just get an overview of what the different races organizing piece or drop is and how did it start? Kind of what's the mission of the work? Olivia, would you mind sharing more about that? Oh yeah, of course. So Dropper, Different Races Organizing Peace, is actually a student-led group and is advised by Tammy Peterson, who's absolutely wonderful. Um, and the start of Drop was honestly really a reaction to the awful murder of Dante Wright uh, as he was fatally shot and killed in a traffic stop in Brooklyn Center, which is about 25 minutes from Andover. This awful event, although not surprising, was the climax to what had already been an increasing urgency for change that had really been a long time coming and what was really the nail in the coffin, so to speak. What then followed was a school-wide walkout and protest of his murder where we skipped last period um, and walked to City Hall to demand justice. This protest was for me personally what made me realize how important Black Lives Matter truly is. Because honestly, as a white person and uh, who is not a person of color, I didn't fully understand the gravity of the situation until the murder of George Floyd and the murder of Dante Wright. And that walkout truly made me realize the fact that this isn't happening in other places. This is happening in my community. It's happening where I live, it's happening to people that I love and care about. This isn't something that you simply can just ignore. Yep, you're absolutely right. It's not yeah. something we can sit back and absolutely ignore. It's um, it's happening right at our doorstep. And, yeah. and if we don't act, then who's going to, right? Things will just mm -hmm. continue to be exactly how they are. Thank exactly. you for sharing that, Olivia. Um, Lindsay, can you tell us more about your role in DROP, kind of what you do and what's happening? Uh, yeah, so sadly, I've um, only been part of DROP this year, so I don't really have a specific role besides like keeping track of our meetings and writing meeting summaries, but um, I would describe everyone in DROP as just equal leaders. Uh, while we do have a leadership team, uh, a lot of the work that we do requires and depends on the participation, ideas, and energy of everyone, uh, not just the leadership team. Um, in all honesty, we're still trying to recruit more members, but 
But uh, so far, we've done things like making a pledge banner for our high school, helping our school create its first um, racial equity student panel, and then, of course, speaking at the Anoka Hennepin School Board meeting. So um, in a typical drop meeting, we'll usually spend time educating ourselves or um, really just brainstorming for more things we can do to create a change and impact. And, um, you know, I just have to add that what's really great about drop is that um, everyone has such good ideas and they're endless that it feels really great to know that there is a community of students here that genuinely care and want to fight for racial equity. Yeah, we're going to talk more about some of these um, things that you guys have done, including that Anoka Hennepin School Board um, meeting, which um, I had the pleasure of watching um, the statements from the students. So we'll we'll talk more about that. But we do have to take a quick break. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with these young leaders from DROP. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Everyone, today I'm here with Lindsay, Marie Claire, and Olivia. They're students um, from the student-led Equity Club Drop, Different Races Organizing Peace. Again, guys, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I want to circle back to Marie Claire because we didn't get to, um, I didn't get to ask my question to her yet, um, at least one of many. Um, How did you come to be in Drop and kind of why is this work so important to you? How do you connect with it? Um, Well, this is always a funny story for me to tell. So I had heard about DROP from different friends, Lindsay being one of them, and they kept telling me, this is something that you really love to do. You'll want to be a part of it. But I'm already involved in so many different clubs and activities and sports with lots of leadership positions that I didn't want to add another thing to my list. That was until yearbook day at school. I was down there so many times because of, again, all my clubs. And I just wanted to be in one more picture. So I looked at the advisor, um, Ms. Tammy Peterson. I said, can I be in this picture and I'll join the club today? And everyone was like, yes. She was like, yes. And they were telling me about how they were speaking at this school board meeting. And in that moment, I didn't really care because I was like, I'll show up to the meetings, participate a little and then call it a day. <laughs> but that's how I found myself joining DROP. Leading on to why this is important to me, uh, DROP is creating a change at our school that I have been waiting to see for what feels like forever. Like Olivia stated, DROP is a group of students from different races, white, black, Asian, Middle Eastern, everyone. We, a group of students came together in a club that didn't have a backbone. A lot of people have been asking us, what is DROP? What do you guys do? Who are you guys, et cetera? And to be quite honest, we didn't know what we as DROP were. 
we came together to make a change. And my use of the word make a change instead of make a difference is very important because I want to leave my school district and community changed for the better. Job focuses on issues that are important to me, like inclusivity in our history requirements, mm-hmm. equity in learning, and better intervention skill training for teachers, and the list could go on. And um, just from speaking at the school board meeting, I have actually seen physical, literal change in classrooms. Like with the start of the semester, I walked into class the other day, and one of my teachers had a pull about not giving up. And I looked on the board, and it was a quote by Maya Angelou my mind was blown because I've gotten so used to seeing everyone being broadcasted in classrooms, but African or black American people. So just seeing her face up there with one of her quotes when it could have been anybody else was just a really good feeling. Thank you for sharing that. Um, When you talked about, you know, make a change, you know, Mm -hmm. that power, it's interesting. I'll just I had a conversation with someone who said that, um, so our tagline is serve, learn, change the world. And we talk about change a lot and that change, um, we should think about not using that word because it's, it scares people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, sorry, no, like change is what we need, right? Like we no. don't need to, yeah, we don't need to like soften the language. What we need to do is actually make change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I appreciate that you said that because I was just like, yes. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> so you were talking just a little bit about this um, school board meeting. Can you tell us more about that kind of who spoke? What was the response you guys got? The messages that you gave? Um, can you share more about that, Marie Claire? Yeah. Of course, uh, the Anoka Hennepin school board meeting was, I think, we can all agree, the turning point for job. It was the first time we had done anything on a major scale. And we really took the phrase, go big or go home, and I believe struck that home run. Uh, The speakers that night were myself, Lindsay and Olivia, and three other people that aren't with us tonight, Emma, Connor, and Ryan. The responses that we got from the night have been phenomenal. We have had so many people reach out and lots of positive feedback from parents reaching out and congratulating us to lots of support from our principal and administrative staff at our school. A lot of opportunities have come from this as well, which we can dive into later. And it has definitely reached and touched a lot more people than we ever expected it to. We have a funny inside joke because before going to the Anoka Hennepin school board meeting, as we met as a group, I, being the skeptical one, asked the question, what is this going to do? What is us going and speaking to the school board meeting going to change? And the answer that was given back to me was, I don't know. So it just shows that we truly didn't know what this would do, if anything, if we would have any impact whatsoever. But yet here we are speaking to you, Amy, on a radio (laughs) podcast, like never did we imagine this. (laughs) Well, it's um, like I say, I was I listened to um, the presentations that you guys gave and they were so powerful. Um, I just. I think we should share those as well so that every Mm -hmm. school board should hear from from young leaders like yourselves so that we can actually make change in our school. Like they were so powerful. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, Lindsay, how did you guys decide that you wanted to speak at the school board meeting and kind of what was happening in your school that led to that decision? Yeah, so um, I wanted to speak at the school board meeting because uh, coming from an Asian background, specifically Hmong, um, I have experienced a lot of racism in the Anoka Hennepin School District and especially in Andover, Minnesota, where it's predominantly white right now. Um, In the speech that I gave at the meeting, I provided examples of how, you know, like a whole lunch table of boys would shout derogatory slurs at me and times where classmates would interrupt class by saying something racist or derogatory, but teachers would never intervene. Um, At most, some teachers would tell students to knock it off or, oh, be quiet, but saying this was ineffective. Um, It never corrected the behavior of my peers, but instead uh, dismissed their racist and insensitive behavior. So um, as a result of these unproductive responses from my teachers to um, prejudice and bigotry uh, in combination with the continual racism that I faced, I began hating my identity from a young age. And 
there came a point where I even began pitting myself against other Asian and minority students because I was in denial of who I was. Um, my differences were seen as a weakness and alienated me from my fellow peers. So um, in this environment where my racial and ethnic identity were not celebrated, I wanted to be liked so badly by my white peers that I um, began to like act white whenever I saw another Asian person at school. So I always assumed that other Asian students couldn't speak English as well as me or that, oh, they didn't get good grades like I did or they were timid and submissive unlike me. Um, I tried my hardest to dissociate myself from other Asian students in an attempt to bury my internal identity crisis and assimilate with my white peers. Um, you know, in addition to this, addition to this, there are many in instances where I became like the token minority, and I was a prime example of how the model minority myth can have detrimental impacts on Asian Americans and other races. So I chose to let my white peers see and treat me as white in an attempt to fit in. Um, from my perspective, this erasure of my cultural and ethnic differences was the only uh, viable solution to the discrimination that I faced in school. Uh, racial discrimination is so serious and life-changing that in hindsight, I realized that it caused me to turn on my own people and um, has even prevented me from realizing how beautiful my race is. Uh, my differences are what make me unique and allows me to bring a wide array of insights and perspectives that others may not have. So as a young child, I, I never really opened up to anyone about my experiences of racism. So my grievances up until this point have been silent and tucked away as trauma. Um, thus, speaking at the recent school board meeting was as though I finally, um, you know, could tell the world what I had been through and the negative effects racism had on me and the steps that we need to take to do better. Um, overall, the board meeting was a chance for me to not only address racial issues in our district, but finally open up about the racial trauma that I had and heal the inner child in me that was unable to stand up for myself all those years ago. I just want to take a brief pause and say thank you for your honesty and for sharing your truth with us because it takes so much courage to just say what you just said. And I think as adults, like we need to stop and we need to hear exactly what you just said um, because it's not okay, right? It's not okay to allow that type of non-response mm -hmm. to do the damage and the trauma that it did to you. And so I just want to thank you for sharing your truths and, um, and doing that with just such openness, um, tears, like I'm just like a little choked up. So thank you for sharing oh, that. Thank Lindsay. you. Um, so, so Olivia, <laughs> coming to you, um, more like how, um, can you talk about like preparing for this type of board presentation? Like, you know, going in front of the school board is no small task. So like, yeah, how did you, how did you do that? Like, what what was your thoughts around? Well, to begin, we simply just attended and observed a school board meeting. Uh, Drop used that meeting to gather information and learn the procedures and rules we would have to abide by in our speeches as school board meetings are actually pretty formal. Um, we have to learn that the time limits for speeches, which is around two to three minutes, uh, how to even sign up for a speech, and the very strict rule that you are not allowed to say specific names of people in the community and have to instead use replacement words such as constituent. Uh, secondly, I actually, on my own, I spoke at a later school board meeting about the increased rise of harmful misinformation around COVID-19, primarily regarding ivermectin in my community. I gave this speech because after observing the ignorant and harmful language used by parents in supposed defense of their children at the prior school board meeting, I had to speak up for myself as an actual student. During my speech, I was booed and interrupted by so many parents in the room to the point where the chair had to intervene as interruptions are not allowed. This ironically actually strengthened my point as the very people that were sitting there crying, claiming that they were there to protect students are booing me, a student that was speaking their voice about important issues. 
this was actually the perfect stepping stone for the final step of the process, the actual meeting. Because although Drop had observed a school board meeting, we wanted to not only prepare ourselves for the controversy we would get, but the board that we as students have a voice and will not be silenced. So yeah, it's pretty much it. <laughs> That's So just listening to your story and hearing what Lindsay said about the students, you know, in, you know, the students that you were engaging with, with racist um, comments. And I mean, the direct link between the actions that we see in adults and then the behaviors we see in youth. Sorry, I'm just calling it out right here and now. I'm not sorry. <laughs> like, well, right? that, there's ignorant there's, thoughts and racism are taught behavior. Exactly. Teach their children those things. Exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for sharing um, your course. stories with us in such an honest way. Um, it's a it's a hopefully a learning moment for for folks who are listening to this show. I mean. When we, when we hear directly from you and what it's taking for you guys to make real change happen, there's some onus that adults have to recognize and help bring about the change that we're talking about. It can't just be on the shoulders of young people. We do have to take one quick break. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with our guests today. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit NYLC lc.org to learn more today follow us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment you are listening to the power of young people to change the world with amy muirs to find out more about amy and the national youth leadership council please visit nylc.org now back to the show so welcome back, everyone. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm here with Olivia, Marie Claire, and Lindsay, and we're talking about race and equity in schools. And I want to jump back in um, and ask Marie Claire, so what's happened since this board meeting? Um, have you heard from board members, administration, others? Hi, Amy. Um, yes, uh, we have had a lot of, like I said previously, a lot of um, positive feedback from different people talking to us about what we did. I was really surprised to see how many people were even listening because, you know, when you were there in that moment, you didn't, um, you didn't realize that it was being recorded and other people could watch it. But um, we had so many people reach out and give positive feedback. Like, yes, previous board members and also members still on the board. Both parties came and talked to us during our weekly meetings because they were just amazed that teens, you know, young adults like us were able to speak so profoundly with lots of drive and passion. And I believe we didn't hold back. We really spoke our minds and our truths. And um, we have also had parents reaching out and congratulating us. And lots of opportunities have come from this, like having our first student panel just last week, where um, we got with our, our multicultural group, women's and men's group, and us drop. And we sat down in front of teachers and just talked about um, microaggressions and how there can be better intervention skills. And that was just amazing because all of this happened from us going to speak at the school board meeting. 
So, yeah, that's amazing. And like to see that direct like response, you know, to be able to have a student panel and really address some of the things that Lindsay talked about earlier, um, hopefully that will become embedded in the culture of the school and of the school mm-hmm. district and have a ripple effect throughout the community. Um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, I'm curious how you're engaging other students in this work. So kind of how it's evolved, especially given some of the um, focus that um, the school board meeting has had. Of course. So um, I guess like as we mentioned before, our club is started off very small and we're still not sure where we want to be or we're not um, where we want to be in terms of members. But um, at least now so many more people, uh, like Marie Claire said, uh, know what drop is and we've attracted a lot of attention because of the school board meeting. So uh, with this said, we uh, reached out to surrounding schools that also have racial equity clubs. Uh, This includes Centennial and Anoka High School. Um, So earlier this year, we had a Google meet with them uh, because they were interested in learning more about how we were able to speak at the school uh, school board meeting, which um, honestly uh, took us by surprise because uh, we were the ones sort of looking up to them since they have, you know, such successful clubs, but uh, now they were looking up to us. Um, Anyways, though, with uh, Anoka High School and I believe Centennial High School, we are now working together to present what we call our three asks to the school board soon. Um, Our three asks has to do with, um, I'm pretty sure we briefly mentioned this already, but um, ensuring like better and more effective teacher intervention in regard to racism in classrooms, um, somehow modifying our history curriculum to include African-American history as an equal credit to credit to um, world or U.S. history, and also incorporating the idea of Black joy and not just slavery and other topics that make it seem as if being Black is a bad or unfortunate thing. I love that last bullet. I mean, all of them, but that last bullet is something um, that, yeah, changing the narrative, right? <laughs> that's yeah. that's powerful. That's powerful. So, Olivia, so what impacts have you seen um, on racial equity in your school? And really, what do you hope to see? Well, it all kind of started I guess it all kind of goes back to the school board meeting um one of the things that I've had a lot of people comment on with what I particularly said in my speech was a lot of uh issues that I pointed out within the history curriculum that has been taught to both myself and my peers uh the prominent one being that George Washington did not have wooden teeth which is what I've been told I repeatedly, I remember being told that all throughout elementary school that he had these wooden teeth, when in reality, they were a mix of ivory, animal teeth, and human teeth from his slaves. There are literal account records of money being transferred, uh, and that's even just what we can see. Did anybody else just really kind of gag a little? Sorry. Yeah, there was actually (laughs) a lot of people that, like... Uh, actually out loud went like, ooh, at the meeting when I said that. Yep. Um, but I've had, a, that's something that I've noticed a lot of people react to that it's not even that we're choosing to leave stuff out or not include stuff like Black Joy or the Harlem Renaissance, stuff like that, but that we're cha- people are changing history to fit a certain narrative. And I've noticed that struck a chord with a lot of people that many people that are opposed to this positive change are attempting to somehow adjust history to fit their beliefs. And I've already seen a lot of teachers that have spoke to me after that meeting and told me how powerful that was and that they were very sad that we had been taught that that my generation had been taught that. And I'm really hoping that our school board meeting and what we are continuing to do and our future steps of uh, hopefully organizing a listening session with school board members and talking to people that work with the social studies curriculum, that we can help 
improve this curriculum as there are inherent flaws with what is currently being taught. So that's really the change that I hope to see. Absolutely. And um, I also remember learning that in history class. So mm. it's been going on for a long time that we've been changing, changing our history to fit our, fit our needs as um, white people. Exactly. So Marie Claire, I'm curious, you know, we've had the pandemic for the last two years. You guys have all come through high school during this. And do you believe that the pandemic has increased um, racial inequities in your school? Um, and if so, why do you think it's happening? Um, yeah, so before the pandemic, race wasn't really talked about at school. It wasn't a subject in classrooms other than history, and there was no safe space to talk about it, race unless it was during our weekly members with the other POC. But after the pandemic, race became one of the most used words, not just at school, but I think worldwide. It was a conversation that had been quieted and shut down for so long that people didn't know where to even start. Because there was a lack of conversation and communication, I saw alliance start to be formed in classrooms, hallways, you name it. Race became a political thing very, very fast, um, which I personally disagree with because Race isn't politics, it's facts. The color of someone's skin is not something that I believe can be questioned. And I also started to notice a divide in students. Um, you would see those wearing Blue Lives Matter or Trump hats because they wanted to show how against the Black Lives Matter movements they were. But then if you were to see a student wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt, it would become a problem very fast. And there was a lot of tension at school with everyone walking on on, on glass and ice. And because I'm also fortunate to be, to have been voted as class president, making me the first African-American person and the first African-American woman to be president and to have that leadership position. Um, once I got there, I really started to notice the difference that I didn't really see before. I saw how against me personally, people were um, because of that position, my parents would talk to neighbors or different people and tell them that their daughter was class president and you would see their faces turn you know, sour or they would get a little upset because they didn't want to see me in that position. And then I also had a student actually come up to me during um, Black History Month, February, and um, talk to me and say that I shouldn't talk about Black History Month during Black History Month because it could be taken as a political movement and it could be taken as our school agreeing with, quote unquote, that statement. So I was really taken aback by that because I didn't, I had never experienced um, experienced like an interaction like that, especially like you hear about it on the news, you know, you see about it, but it was my first time of words like that being said to my face. So I've really noticed that it's not really a rise in issues of racial equity. Um, it is a rise in the pushback because people feel like if they don't push back, it'll be them like giving up their political position. And also um, lastly, like Lindsay or Olivia previously talked, stated, I can't quite remember, job organized the Black Lives Matter walk protest. And during that, there were students who brought All Lives Matter um, posters as well, just so they could be against it. Well, may I say congratulations on on your position as president, Madam Thank President. <laughs> and um, I think your quote of race isn't politics, it's fact, is going to stay with me for a very long time. And hopefully it sticks with everyone listening as well. Because if we continue to say race isn't politics, it's fact, I think we get to the heart yeah. of a lot of those those um, folks who are questioning, yep. you know, Black History Month or All Lives Matter or, yeah, mm -hmm. that is a powerful quote, um, Madam President. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> um, Lindsay, I would love to hear um, just, I don't know that I would love to hear, but I want to ask what other challenges, um, I think Marie Claire shared some, but what other challenges have you faced working on these issues and kind of how, how have you had to overcome them? 
yeah, of course. So, um, you know, firstly, with the, the All Lives Matter protests, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if it um, really did like a whole protest happened after uh, the Black Lives Matter march that we did. But, um, you know, obviously that was one uh, challenge um, on working with trying to, you know, support the Black community. And so a way we were trying to um, overcome that, you know, for me personally was, you know, I, you know, first thing I just sadly acknowledge that, you know, there's people who are going to refuse to see, you know, police brutality against the Black community. And uh, the second thing I did was just reminding myself that this should not be a reason why we stop fighting for BLM, but rather a reason to prove why we need to keep going and serve the Black community and other minority communities justice. No, thank you. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Unfortunately, we do have to no- take another quick break. I could can just continue on talking to you guys without, without commercials, but we do have to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll get some final reflections from our guests today. So stay with me on the power of young people to change the world. And remember, you can follow the show on social media at nylc.org or find us at nylc.org. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. We just have a few minutes left with our guests today, and I want to get some final reflections from each of you. Um, You've shared such powerful just stories and passion. And I just, again, want to thank you guys for being here. So Lindsay, what's one final thought you'd like to share with our listeners, maybe a piece of advice or something that you'll hope um, they'll consider taking away? Um, one thing I would like to leave our listeners with is um, actually something my older sister had said to me a while back. Uh, she had said, we cannot have a world built for everyone without everyone. And so I, I think what she meant by this was that we must advocate for inclusion and diversity because without it, we're unable to combat inequality and seek out leaders that are representative of all communities. Um, this world was meant for all of us. So to our viewers, uh, be the change that you would like to see and help amplify voices that have been historically silenced. Um, in other words, to have a world built for everyone, we are going to need the help and support of everyone. One. Your sister is a wise woman. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like I could pick out your guys' quotes from today, and so we'll we'll give her um, we'll give her full credit for that one. That's another beautiful quote that we should all remember. Um, Olivia, what do you hope for the future of Drop, and you know how do you want to continue to lift up the power of young people? I hope that we will continue to expand and grow as a group and the more people learn about our club and what we do, because 
really the only way we will truly be able to make long lasting change is if our work lives on in new members, even after the original members graduate. And as I discussed earlier, uh, in the walkout to the school board meeting, this group has really helped me teach, teach me to fight for what I believe in and to use my voice for good. I really hope that my fellow peers can learn and utilize these same things too, as our thoughts and opinions as children and students are just as valuable as any adult. And although it may be intimidating, as I was quite literally sweating so much at that school board meeting, it is crucial that we as students use our power to make positive change and help improve schools so that it will be better for future generations. Absolutely. It has to start somewhere, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, Marie Claire, um, what do you want young people and the educators, because we have both listening to the show, what do you want them to take, a, take away from the work that you guys are doing? Kind of what do you want them to know about racial equity and the change we need to see in our schools and our communities? Um, the main thing that I want young people to take away from what we are doing in DROP is that we have the power. We can make change. We can make big changes. There isn't anything too big or too small. And I know that may sound cliche, but there isn't that we can handle. And to remember that we are the future, so we have to start building for that tomorrow, today. Like I stated previously, I didn't know what would happen from speaking at the school board meeting. If I had given up, if we had given up um, and not taken that chance, you wouldn't be hearing from us today. And for educators, please listen to your students. At the end of the day, we are the ones living this experience by a daily basis. In my speech at the school board meeting, I ended with, I wanna see a place where all are welcome at Anoka Hennepin district. And that starts with students and staff learning how to say, I see the whole student, including their race, but don't limit to stereotype notions of their racial identity. And that to me means learning how to, you know, limit microaggressions, learning how to create space where everyone can be acknowledged and everyone can be empowered and everyone knows how to be vocal without fear of being discriminated for any of their physical features. Thank you for sharing that. And I just, that, um, I think that connection that I'm, or the takeaway that I'm wrestling with and how to articulate is like that you are living this experience. And so no one can tell, tell you that you're not like, they shouldn't tell you that you're not. And mm-hmm. so just, you know, kind of processing as adults, how, um, if we're not listening to the young people and their voice, not just like giving them a seat at the table, but actually listening to what they have to say, you cannot deny the experiences that you guys have shared with us today. These are your lived experiences. And so if we're going to make change, we need to be listening and empowering young people and providing those spaces so that you can be heard so that we can make those changes. I am gonna ask um, Marie Claire, if you could just share too, like what's been the most rewarding part of this work? Like, has it, re- has it changed how you view your school, your community? Um, yes, the most rewarding part of everything that I am doing in job is knowing that I, that we are creating a better school for those coming after us. This is really important to me because I have younger siblings that are coming into Andover and I wanna do my best to make this school better for them because I am leaving this year. Uh, my experience at Andover wasn't the worst, but it hasn't been the best. There are moments where things could have been handled a lot better, but they weren't making it a really uncomfortable environment for me, not just as a person of color, but as a student. So I feel like it's really important to understand and realize that most of the work we're doing now, like what we are sowing today, won't be reaped until tomorrow. And that is the sacrifice and beauty of what is being done through job, being willing to put aside our time, our energy, our focus, knowing that it is all for the younger people so they can feel accepted in their skin, no matter the shade. 
And it has changed the way I view my school because I was really surprised with the willingness and happiness the teachers and staff um, had to offer to us. And I personally feel like we're being supported each step of the way. That's wonderful. I just want to thank each of you for being on the show today, for speaking your truth, for sharing your voices. Um, your work is so inspiring and you are changing the world. Um, and I think this conversation just really underscores how important it is that we find ways to work together across age, across gender, race, and political parties so that we can actually make the world a just and peaceful place. So thank Thank you for what you are doing to make that happen. I do want to encourage our listeners to share this podcast and to check out our others. Um, you can download them from Voice America show page or find them, um, find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, any place you get your, um, your podcast from. I believe we need to continue to lift up the voices of young people. We need to share this message that we heard today. And so please share, share the podcast, spread this message lift up the, the voices of young people so that we can make these changes happen. Um, I also want to make sure everyone knows that they're invited to share their voice at the National Service Learning Conference. It's coming up in April, so April 20th through the 22nd in Minneapolis. And if you can't make it all the way to Minnesota, we would love to have you here. We do have a virtual day on April 27th, so check out nylc.org or get registered, come hear from amazing young people, from educators coming together to really look at how we can make positive change in our community. Um, we would love to see you there. Next week, we have another great show. We're going to be shining a light on some amazing change makers um, who, are, who are tackling um, uh, mental health and education equity. So mark your calendars for Thursday, six o'clock Eastern. And as always, please join us as we serve, learn, change the world. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the power of young people to change the world. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.